Ladies and gentlemen, on this episode of Driving with Dave, I'm with a very special guest, originally from the great state of Kentucky. She just moved to Nashville, Tennessee from Los Angeles. It's the uh, lady who is also carrying my firstborn son, a very special guest, Tasha Courtney. I can't believe you rubbed me into this. How does it feel, honey? You're on Driving with Dave. Well, <laughs> reluctantly, <laughs> I'm trapped in the car. <laughs> you're, you're literally just a guest. You're, this is what, you know, I'm taking you to Pottery Barn. Yeah, this is my trade-off to go to the Pottery Barn outlet. That's how it works when you marry a podcaster. <laughs> if you want to go to Pottery Barn, we got to pay for the Pottery Barn. So last week I didn't have an episode. Um, I was expecting to have several different guests, Demi uh, Burnett, uh, she had to cancel, not blaming her. Cassie Randolph was going to do, I mean, I had so much going on and then just cancels galore. Although I I should should say Cassie Randolph didn't cancel. We just never were able to get the date locked in. And on the road trip from Los Angeles to Nashville, which was a disaster of of sorts, although we did make it, on that road trip I recorded one of my favorite episodes of Driving With Dave, a solo episode. Um, And the audio is so bad that I can't bring myself to let the audience hear that. And so now, de facto- Because it was in the truck? Just because it was so loud in the the truck? The truck is so loud, I had to wear earplugs for the whole trip. It's just a loud diesel, and it's like the type of truck that transports goods. It's, It's like a goods and service truck. It's a giant, diesel like almost a semi like not quite as long as a semi but like not as long but it was probably is as it the heavy. same style of like the front part yeah like a 70 gallon diesel tank and it's got the type where when you open the hood it it pulls outward like it opens the reverse way you know so either way um don't need to get into it here but did did have a check engine light and a uh, engine failure happen in amarillo texas Luckily, we were able to fix that real quickly and make it to Nashville. We signed our papers yesterday to move into our home, and weather permitting, we move in tomorrow. How does it feel to go from a renter to a homeowner? To be honest, I I feel like I don't really know yet since we (laughs) aren't in our house. Um, But I I don't know. It's exciting. Spiritually we're expanding it's a metaphor and it's also a physical expansion not just with the house with your belly that's a physical expansion a physical (laughs) expansion of the belly six and a half months pregnant how are you feeling um i'm feeling pretty good yeah everyone says the second trimester is like good and it's true it's pretty good you're looking beautiful you're radiant i thought you were beautiful before now you're a different type of beautiful a glow a little you've got um it's weird it's like your butt is stronger it's like dealing with more (laughs) imagine carrying around an extra 35 40 pounds of weight every day just like if you were just if you had one of those weight vests strapped to yourself every day like you're training for an altitude climb well like i don't mean to be like um sort of like a sexist pig or whatever but you are literally building within yourself a factory to provide for this baby yeah it's just crazy to think about yeah the hormones all of the things that your body just knows how to it's just wild because you know we've spent our whole adult life trying to not get knocked up and then all of a sudden (laughs) it's like 
dusting off. You know what it is? It's like you, it's like you buy a home and then you look in the garage and there's like this old truck that's dusty and it's got a tarp on it. And we're like, does this thing even work? Are you calling my uterus dusty? No, I'm calling your whole, the whole, <laughs> my whole, the whole system. <laughs> Just dusty in the sense of uh, a procreative way. And sure enough, we- uh, <laughs> It fired right up. It fired right up. <laughs> with a little help with some uh, high octane fuel, that's protoplasm, folks. Ew. We were able to get this party started right away. And again, making no light of other, you know, you know, some people have fertility issues. You just, you, we didn't know. The gynecologist said, hey, it might be a minute. You just don't know. It's not really us to say. It's kind of, um, it's kind of like in some ways a bigger, a bigger thing, you know? Like, like Maybe I was, when I get over what, they, they're, they're the salting. Salt We're on the highway, folks. Oh, the salt's coming. Oh, no. The Tesla just got hit with a whole lot of salt. <sighs> We were assaulted, as one might say. I don't think that's the way they, they just have it. Like, it's just flying off the top. Like, they piled the top of that truck so high with salt that it's just blowing onto yeah, the Yeah, so we moved to Nashville in what quite possibly could be the storm of the century. Yeah. Next week, you know it's going to be 60 degrees. But this week, it is terrible. It's 25 degrees out. And yeah, what were you going to say? You called it the storm of the century. And I was going to say, no joke. When we were in... Amarillo, Texas, after the truck broke down. That's the coldest I've ever felt in my life. And I've been in so much cold, but it was like that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, um, The Day After Tomorrow, where like the storm like blows through and the people just like freeze in place. Yeah. It was literally like that in the 90 seconds that it was <laughs> taking us to get like the dog out of the car and like the suitcases out. I thought my fingers would literally fall I thought off. I got frostbite on the, back, on the back of my hands. You know what it reminded me of? The Matt Damon uh, thriller Mars or Life on Mars. Do you know that movie? Yeah. When he has to like go from one Mars workstation to another, so he has to go brave the elements in a storm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not lying. In my whole lifetime living in a very hostile New England climate, I've never experienced cold wind. I mean, it was like negative 25. It was 25. so bitter. It was so, and so instantaneous. And of course, we didn't have gloves or anything. We weren't expecting it to be four degrees for our drive. And of course, I packed the truck full of all of my plants in LA and I'm, we haven't opened it yet, but I know they're all dead. Yeah, um, dead a, uh, frozen, frozen, frozen in time, frozen Monseras. Well, look, here's what, here's what I would hope to accomplish on this car ride. I would like to take a victory lap and talk about the struggles of our relationship going in some ways on my end from minimum wage jobs where I was working for tips, trying to, you know, charm people's pants off to make a few extra bucks to being able to afford our first home, which in, is quite possibly the worst home buying market ever. The interest rates are high. The home prices have never been so out of this world. I mean, it just absolutely sucks out there. And I'm not saying that as a humble brag. It took us a it lot. It took us a very long time. We've really been trying to buy a house for like five years. We and it was always like we just missed, out of reach. Yeah, right. we felt like we missed every opportunity. The you know, you know that meme that's like, oh, I, I wish I bought a home. If I could have only bought a home when I was 13 years <laughs> old. It's like we missed the boom in the early 2000s. We missed the boom three years ago. You know, my channel started making money three years ago. And for financial reasons, right, you can't really get a qualify for a mortgage until you have two years where you can prove how much you've made. So for the last year or so is when we began looking and just said, you know what, after some 
real tough experiences in Los Angeles trying to afford a home there. It was, I mean, it's hard to sound like melodramatic, but kind of soul crushing. When you think, remember that house we saw in City Terrace that was like, it had all these sort of unpermitted additions and it was yeah. still like $900,000. Yeah. It had like a fridge in the kitchen, but no dining room table. Like it, it was a bizarre home. And we were like trying to wrap our head around like, well, maybe we could make this work. And it's like, no, this is garbage. This isn't uh, you know, like an improvement. And so we look in uh, Nashville and of course we find a home that is absolutely perfect for us right now. But, um, I mean, talk to me you about have your blinker on. You probably oh, had it on for whoops. five minutes. That's probably. <laughs> Thank you. We're turning. That's going to be annoying. <laughs> tell me, um, tell me, uh, what kind of faith? I mean, you, you married a comedian. Yeah. How many you got? You must, you must've had some people telling you this was a bad idea. Um, be, you can be honest. I don't know if I necessarily had people telling me it was a bad idea, but it certainly like, you know, was a worry. You know what I mean? It's not like it what it would, wasn't going to change our relationship. Obviously, we've been in love and committed to each other for a long time. Would you be but poor with me? I would be sad if we were poor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, like I was okay with these past few years, like me being the one with the steady, stable income and you pursuing your creative projects and would you, would you ever have thought youtube would take off because you know people that might not know you and i hosted a podcast together for years and i did the math we made like 10 cents an hour i'm not, <laughs> I'm not kidding we, we we literally i mean and when you factor in the cost of hosting and all that we for sure lost, lost money. money for sure lost money i mean so um i i don't know i i never really like was like specifically like oh this thing is gonna you know like trying to hone in on like what's the thing that's gonna pop off but i i guess i just always had faith that we would but would you call yourself a warrior oh yeah yeah i mean still to this day you never know if people are gonna show up tomorrow to listen you just have to have a weird faith i will say when we moved during the pandemic from our 600 square foot studio apartment to our two bedroom 750 square foot apartment that was a more challenging move for me psychologically than buying this house. I thought we would never get out of that rent controlled studio apartment because yeah, it was hard. You know, I had those weeks, you know, I was literally gotten in accidents over, over driving Uber and, and, you know, doing those jobs that pay you just enough to stay poor. You get paid just enough to stay poor. And if, if, if you randomly get paid an extra hundred bucks, it's, I say it's like throwing a lawn chair off the deck of a cruise. It doesn't matter. You're still broke. Like there is no getting over that and until, until we did. And it's not linear growth, but, but man, did, did it require me feeling like a salesman trying to tell you, trying to sell you on the idea that things would get better. And I think me personally, the, um, the blueprint I saw in other comedians I'd get such a crazy dopamine hit when I'd listen to a podcast where another comedian would talk about how like, oh, I was broke for eight years and now my Patreon makes 50,000 a month. Like those stories of success for me were the fuel to keep knowing like there is a path here. And I heard actually Seth Rogen talk about this actually on another podcast where the only common denominator, the only one between people in entertainment who make it work and those who don't is whether or not you quit. Yeah. 
That's it. Yeah, lots of actors have talked about that too. And you know, we talked about how, well, in some ways it's like, yeah, Dave, you got lucky that things all fired off during the pandemic. But I have friends like, you know, through the comedy world, like Corinne, her podcast, Guys We Fucked, took off eight years before mine did. And they were like New York Times bestseller. You know what I mean? So like, you don't know when your ticket's gonna get punched. But I, I'm grateful that, I think, I think I've got more gratitude than people whose career took off sooner because of all of the sort of adversity to get there. And that's why I think when I see people in Bachelor Nation that just kind of get success after being on a show, and again, it doesn't happen to everybody, I just go, oh man, they have no idea. Like, they wouldn't be podcasting on the way to Pottery Bond right now. Like, I, I, and I think, I mean, I think that that's why with a lot of stand-up comedians, there isn't a shortcut to the success because it's such a slow grind that you don't have that sort of aloof sort of, I deserved this. Like, it's like, no, 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 no. You did, I've done enough things that failed to know that when something works, like appreciate the audience that shows up for that. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely strengthens your um, gratitude when it's been a long road. And I remember, and we talk about this, but like the first day in Malibu, when we were just there randomly uh, with the dog. By the way, he turned 15 yesterday. If you're watching Happy on YouTube, birthday, he's right behind us, uh, still surviving. You know, he uh, accidentally took a dump on Tasha's mom during the road trip. So that happened. Uh, and he took one on me, uh, rolled off the leg, a little wet wipe, uh, senior dog style. <clears throat> but do you remember the, do you remember the After Buzz TV? Yeah. It, audition? Yeah. Do you remember that it was during the heat wave? Oh, sure. He yeah. drove me into the valley. And I, yeah. again, talked about this on the solo episode of the truck driving, but I wanted to share this story, um, not necessarily as a victory lap, but just to show people like you don't, you don't just show up to YouTube one day and think things pop off that interview. So I get, I get, you know, I find out the audition time for after buzz TV, which was a co-op that Maria Menounos started. Of course, she's on like the entertainment news, extra, you know, or one extra, of those, yeah, right? one of that garbage stuff, right? So she starts this co-op. You know, there's dozens of employees, hundreds of content creators, and they work for free because they, you know, AfterBuzz TV provides the microphones and the studio space, and they sell you on that entertainment bullshit. Well, you'll get a good tape and you'll learn how to do it, which. By the way, it's so exploitative. Honestly, it kind of fires me up. It's like unpaid internships. They should be outlawed. It's so exploitative. So I'd be asking people who are just and your agents will encourage it and your managers will encourage it because it's a good credit and it's a good learning experience. And You're going to you make can connections. Still, like, sometimes you can still get something out of it, but it is still exploitative. At the very least, it should be revenue sharing. But I show up to this interview you know, I'm thinking I'm going to walk in. There's going to be seven of us. I want to talk my way in. I've already podcasted for years. I, I show up. There's a hundred people. Everyone's dressed up. You just get this Los Angeles, like the, the economics of it were that there was too many people there for the jobs. So the people that ran it are going to treat you like shit. I've already been in this, in this world for a decade with doing extra work in movies. And sure enough, the lady who ran this audition she had so many rules, save it this way, record it this way. She wanted everyone to do a sample recording of, of how you would comment on a show. And I was like, well, you know, I've done this for a decade. I could send you my YouTube channel with all of the different, you know, sure, no one was watching it, but I had a lot of um, 
uh, tape, as it were. And sure enough, I go to this whole batch of interviews, and then from there, we have to do the at-home test, where we pick a TV show and do a recap. I picked Nashville, which, by the way, how ironic, we live here now. I picked the show Nashville, and I submitted it, and they were like, yeah, you submitted it a day late or something. They gave us so many directions, they made it so overly complicated, and then they tell me I didn't do it right. I became so irate. Now, this is just the first step where I was like, I don't need these assholes. I don't need them. And, and, I, and I didn't have a choice. And I was complaining about it. And one of my friends was like, Dave, like, did you do it wrong? They were actually victim blaming me. I thought I, thought I was the victim of this situation. The victim of an overpopulated world where everyone's trying to get the same thing. It's like 100 people all trying to get the same fruit off the branch of a tree. We're all just killing each other, stepping on each other's throats for this, this like thing that Hollywood could offer. The second thing that happened about a year or two later is, you know, I've been working this side gig where I work minimum wage to drive people around. And during my lunch breaks, I'm watching Mr. Beast YouTube videos. I'm just trying to analyze how he's successful and how he's making money. And I, I loved watching all these YouTubers content about how much money they were making, not because I was in it for the money, but just to show you don't need the Maria Menounis's of the world. So a couple weeks before the pandemic happens, I get an audition for uh, a Snapchat TV show or whatever you want to call it. Snap, Snapchat? Am I pronouncing Snapchat. Right? Snapchat. It's so dead in the water now. I know they're making it come back now. The youngins use it. It was for E! News. And I know you've heard this story before, but I go into the audition and I have to read off a teleprompter. They give me the script and they said, oh, improvise, have some fun, write some jokes. And I'm like, I am going to nail this. And sure enough, as I'm reading through the teleprompter, they slow it down so that there's time for me to riff in between things. I had the teleprompter guy laughing. I was off the cuff. I was just doing my thing. I was just like in my zone. And it was the most quintessential audition where the casting director literally walked me out by hand. We'll see you later, Dave. Go get him. We'll be in touch. Slaps me on the butt, you know, <laughs> cut it. She was, oh, yeah, yeah. Just, and everyone else, everyone else in the audition was like, well, I guess we should pack up now. It was that type of audition. I don't think I've ever had one that was so unbelievably positive. Now, could they have decided not to pick me because I wasn't the, you know, whatever look they were going for? Sure. But I knew it was just like I had hit that ball so far out of the park. And having done enough bad auditions in my life, as we all have, I was like, that's it. Done. And then never hear back. The pandemic happens. And I start going, you know what? Who needs AfterBuzz TV? Who needs E! News on Snapchat? I can do this myself. I start looking at teleprompters and I, st I started quickly realize, fuck the teleprompter. We don't even need that. Let's just do it. And then from there, it still took maybe eight to nine months of full-time content before the, you know, before the Bachelor stuff really took off. But I say all of that because it's, that, that's my example. So when I was watching YouTube videos and podcasts of other people's success story that was inspiring me, even though their success story looked different, the blueprint is there. The common denominator is there, which is work your ass off for yourself. I didn't need M Maria Menounos. And sure enough, during the pandemic, my channel started to get more views by myself than her whole entire network, and then her network shut down. And if there's ever anything I do a victory lap over, it's that. Not because I wanted to pop the champagne and wish them all luck in their, you know, you know, as they moved out of their foreclosed factory, uh, you know, after exploiting all these content creators, 
but just to say the power that we each have to connect with our audience doesn't need to go through after Buzz TV. It, and again, God bless Maria Menounos. It's not about her. It's just about the image there. But do I do I, do I sound like an asshole right now to take that victory lap? <laughs> no, you don't. I think it's there's um a say like an old saying in Hollywood that it's it takes ten years to become an overnight success, and I think that's true for anything when you're like pursuing something that's like creative and it's you doing it for yourself like it really does i mean you said it we did that podcast for like seven years with no money you were making youtube videos for years with no one watching i had days where i was losing my dang mind when you make and edit a video and it bombs and you don't get any love from that not that you need the love but some light at the end of the tunnel yeah you want those like those little breadcrumbs of growth or appreciation or viewership like kind of help you help to reassure you that you are going in the right direction but when it takes a long time and it does it does take a long time it can be disheartening um but it's true that like i think in most cases i don't know i can't say always but in most cases if you stick it out long enough if you work on your craft long enough if you work hard enough eventually you'll have a payoff yeah there there is there there is a lot happening in the brain with connect like connecting yourself like with stand-up you just they always say just keep doing it because you're going to adapt and learn how to be funnier and you're going to get better on stage and experience more situations that or you're developing skills that translate into other opportunities that you weren't that you didn't even have in mind yeah and you don't know yeah you don't know where those are going to translate i would have never thought i kind of wanted to get into vlogs like making vlogs but like i would have never thought that the business model that ended up working for me is the exact opposite which is I'm, I'm essentially Forrest Gump on the bench. And if somebody wants to sit down on the bench, rest assured, I'm going to be talking to them. Like if you decide to, 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 to stop into YouTube or to stop onto the podcast app, you're going to find content relevant to that day or that week. And that's what I've learned is worth more than any snazzy production value because what the pandemic taught me is how much we rely on human to human contacts. And I get messages to this day, and I know I'm gonna get them 10 years from now, where people describe the loneliness and despair they felt during the pandemic. And like, I felt that too. I mean, sure, we had each other, but it was a scary time. And, you know, I basically took a look at some of the channels that I found that were there for me every day. And I would start to get that dopamine hit when I knew that there'd be a video like some random person gets when they get when they find out that I pop off a video or something like that. So again, the psychology of it is pretty interesting to see and makes so much sense in hindsight, but I would have never ever guessed that it would have worked out this way. And it's been successful, right? We went from unemployed I went from essentially gig working to buying a home and I would have never thought that would have been my salary that would have been the the thing that got get us obviously you you know yours was important too but now that you're at where i'm the baby it relies on mine and it's a wild point of pride if someone stumbled upon this as their first episode they might think like oh my gosh dave you're you're the most braggadocious person in the world but it's really like i'm, I'm really sharing this because there's people in the audience that might be closer to 
that moment where their career completely changes and takes off and they might not know if they're there. And that faith is something you have to continuously water, you know, every day. Some days it gets depleted more than others. Even the other night, I was just like really dogged and I was exhausted and I didn't know why, but I, I was like, all right, it's probably more of a chemical thing. I drank a lot of Red Bull, I'm just exhausted. Because every day you have to like find that, that inspiration. And when the channel's not hitting, or when you're still writing the screenplay or putting together your workout plan, you don't necessarily know when it's gonna pay off. But that's kind of what makes the people who get it the ones that the ones that deserve it because they didn't quit on themselves. And a lot of people do. And it's heartbreaking to see. I mean, we've been in this industry for a long time. We both know a lot of people that were super talented. And like, what does talent get you? What does I like what even IQ, what does it get you? You know? I know we, we it's an easy way to measure like if someone's smarter or not, but when we talk about our baby, I want them to be hardworking, passionate. That, uh, that, that matters to me. Yeah. Yeah, you really, I mean, it's, it's never just one thing, right? It's that like perfectly mixed cocktail of things that gets you where you want to go. Now, where, where do you want to go besides Pottery Barn? What do you, what do you think 2024 will bring you aside from being a new mother you know because because the the the, this house we bought is uh is a special place for you know for what we have in store so tell me tell me your big dreams i don't know i have to put you on the spot no you i mean you kind of have put me on the spot but it's okay (laughs) um i really i sort of feel especially right now that we're in limbo and i've felt that way for a few months obviously like leading up to moving you kind of feel like you're in limbo and we haven't moved in yet and i sort of feel in limbo and we're gonna have a baby soon but he's not here yet and that makes me feel in limbo but i am just trying to be like fluid and flexible and go with the flow i think that a newborn is going to be like way more challenging than we can even fathom. You know, yeah, but also that newborn can sit, you know, like, you know, Catherine Manning, she, she had a baby and she's doing a lot of like home renovations and that baby sits there yeah. and, and watches her. The and little absorbs. ones sleep like, you know, 16 to 22 hours a day or something. So like, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm just saying it's going to be a wild transition. And we were talking about this the other day when we were just, you know, like using the hotel gym that like, we really want to make sure that we are establishing good habits in our new home. And, um, because it's, you know, it's a blank slate for us. So it it makes sense. Having you home, it already saves me a lot of time because we, our schedules can kind of coordinate uh, a little easier. easier. Yeah. Like we're going to be, it's going to be so great having the office next to the bedroom next to the, Mm -hmm. like, we're going to have it all. And you know, you've been watching YouTube videos about home renovations. And I think I think you're going to find a new form of creativity that you didn't access before. Because, yeah. I mean, even I mean, in this small studio, we couldn't shoot. We had zero depth of field. 
And then we get this new place, our, our last place, and it was a little bit better, but it was still a 750 square foot two bedroom place. Like there still was no kitchen table you can do an unboxing. Yeah, there's still a lot of like finagling when Every anytime time, we have to shoot something, even, like, it's you, like clean, rearrange, You'd have to shoot some lighting. like perfume thing where you unbox it. There's nowhere <laughs> to do anything. Everything, anytime you wanted to shoot something, you had to rethink something else. And now we're basically quadrupling in size and having that space that's needed in today's like modern world to create. Yeah. And you're- No, it's really exciting. I That's probably the thing that I'm looking most forward to. I've always loved, um, I've just always had that like little artsy bug and like redecorating and um, DIY, all of that is really fun for me. But you're right, in the past few years, we really haven't had much opportunity to do any of that. And- I mean, how frustrating, our studio didn't have a window in the kitchen. And I was just so annoyed by doing the dishes and not being able to look out into some fresh sunlight. And then we move into the new place and it's amazing. And there's a window in the kitchen, but then there's no kitchen table and we're eating at the couch. <laughs> yeah, we but that's for, just, you know, that's, right, that's the nature of living in Los Angeles. But you... I just think going from studio to two bedroom apartment to buying our first home, I, I feel exponential growth. And what I love the most about what we do is it doesn't feel like there's sort sort of any ethical issue like some people when they get into content creating they're selling certain things and we're just creating stuff for people to watch in a lot of ways right so in with stand-up it's like i'm telling jokes you can decide to pay to come see me perform or not like it for me and i'm again i'm maybe i'm coming up judgy of others but it just feels like you either ride with us or you don't people either enjoy these conversations or they can find other content it's just like and even if no one's watching i think for me like the experience um is going to be like healing and um boy we had so much healing on that hike that's so we were doing this hike in altadena before my channel took off and i just said i know what i can feel it we are just right or straight um straight, it looks right. like Straight. Right. No, really? it's a right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. So we, that's I mean, my orange. Oh, the orange just fell. Just, it's inside just an rolled in. So <laughs> we, I could true, I truthfully mean this. I could feel the energy shifting for us before things took off. There was enough bites happening at that point on the fishing rod, as it were, that I just knew things were taking off. And it's on that same hike, that same area where you told me where we kind of started flirting with the idea of having a baby. Yeah. Two years after that. And then it was that same hike that we, after we bought our home before we moved, that we did for the final time a few weeks ago. And there's something about that specific hike. And again, we'll have to find that here, but there's something about that specific hype, hike that would be our sort of visualization. And I think there's so much shame that exists out there where people are afraid to say out loud, their wildest dreams. It's scary. I I don't, I'll never get the quote right, but it's something that I had as a picture of my screensaver for a long time. Years and years ago, I saw something that like, um, I'll have to Google it and we can put it in the description, but it's like your um, biggest fear is not like the unknown. Your biggest fear is knowing that like, you have the power in your hands, you know, like your, your destiny's in your hands. You have 
the power to make your wildest dreams come true. And I think it's, it's true that when you want, when you have like a, a deep dream or desire, it's, it's, it's so easy it's, to push it down. Yeah. I mean, I almost feel it in my throat right now. You know, it feels like stuck in your throat. It's like, you don't, you don't even want to say it out loud because it seems so impossible or you don't want to jinx it or there it is. I mean, I've had that way where you didn't even know certain, th- certain goals of mine. Cause I was just like, you know, I feel stupid saying that I want to make a movie or do certain things. And you're like, what? It's like, yeah, I don't want these things I want to do. But like, I don't feel like I'm, they seem so far away. They seem so impossible. You don't see the path to get there. Um, and, and so it, it just seems impossible. So saying it out loud seems foolish and it shouldn't be. And that's kind of why I think talking about these things is important. You know, I mentioned this in the, in the episode that I'd never shared, which by the way, maybe I'll put it on Patreon. If you don't mind re-listening to some terrible audio, patreon.com slash Dave Neal. If you want to watch me in the truck giving the same advice, but so much shame and you, and you know this, you know, I've got like a weird thing about shame where I, I have to reject it. If someone, if someone throws their shame on me, I get so mad because I feel like I've taken it for so long. And by that, I mean, when I was doing my gig, driving people around for minimum wage, I have so many people, oh, what do you do? Are you trying to do that? What's your plan B? What are you going to do if it doesn't work out? I mean, how fucking insulting is that? And I get so mad at that, but I understand this is their problem. This is the problem they pass down to their kids. You know, we talked about this uh, in the past with Patsy, where Patsy, her mom one time said, all right, fun, fun time's over, you know, after they graduated college. And it's like, fun time has just begun, folks. Fun time doesn't end when you find a way to do what you love because you are so much better of a person operating from that frequency of belief you have in yourself than you would be doing accounting. You know, remember that time your brother was like, you know, saying he wanted to be a doctor or something. He's like, do you really want to be one? Because that's a hard job to have. A lot of lawyers fail at what they do. And it's like, I, I think he's doing something that he loves now, but like, you're so much better. Oh, it's all the way over there. Yeah, oh. I, I was I was wondering what I've you're doing. I've just been talking and driving over here. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice little. Uh, There's a charger there, by the way. Oh, uh, no, it's, we got the free charger at home. Okay. But but either way, so I'm such a big uh, homer for finding your passion because you will make more money being the guy that mows freaking lawns. If you love mowing lawns. That guy who edges those lawns. I watch those videos all day long. You know what he did? I love the guy. I I saw a video of him mowing. He goes to the neighbors and he goes, hey, who lives there? Oh, it's been abandoned. He's like, well, you probably don't like looking at it, so I'm going to mow it. He's like, (laughs) he's not even doing it for anybody. He just likes to mow lawns. And the point is, is you find something you're good at and you show the world how good you are at it. That passion is so contagious. It's so infectious. And that's really something that's like, I think missing in a lot of our lives is that like real joy and passion. And so when people see it, they, they feel it too. And this they appreciate that, have it. Have you seen this, the Canadian guy? And he goes up to someone and he goes like, you know, oh, you're a fan of the Raptors? And they're like, yeah, I can never afford to go. And he's like, you want to go? And then the dad's crying, the kid's crying. Then he, then he takes them to the court where the guys are, you know, the players. It's just like, man, it's like the, the niche that, that you can find for yourself 
is boundless. You could literally just be someone who polishes the hull of shipping vessel. You could literally be the person who just flicks the barnacles off of old ships and talks to fishermen. If that's what you love to do, someone's gonna wanna watch that. You might suck at it for a couple of years. You might have some growing pains, but boy, is it better than- The payoff when it's something that you really enjoy. Than, than, being a, than being a barnacle for someone else's ship of destiny. So I understand before someone comments, I talked a lot. Next time you're on, we'll do more of an autobiographical conversation for you. But this conversation I had to do because I already recorded it. I liked it and I messed up the audio. So I don't mind being so, a, a decoration on your set on this one. <laughs> set decoration. And our baby boy is here too, both the dog and the child. So we so we don't know what's next, but I've got so much faith that our new home's gonna be better internet, better sound quality with my nice rugged, you know, my nice carpeted sound I studio. cannot wait. I hope you'll not, I hope you will let me decorate your office. I really do. I hope you'll let me design your office. I tell you what, you, you put, put together something digitally. I'm not doing that. Just you, trust me. I'm not me. gonna do <laughs> Please. All right, uh, I'm gonna make you a perfectly, I'm gonna give, get you rugs. It's gonna be All very- right, leave a, leave a comment if you think Tasha should design my studio. Um, but I am This is be... my payoff for being in here <laughs> driving with Dave today. All right, there it is. Yeah, my payoff is going to by being a $3,000, buying a $3,000 lamp. No, we, we're broke. We're buying the only cheap, we're buying Facebook Marketplace everything. All right, folks. Well, I hope this episode might have meant something to you. If you're brave enough and still watching or listening in the YouTube comment section, feel free, not for my sake, but for yours, to share me your biggest goals and darkest, deepest secrets for how to get there. And maybe you'll feel a little burden let off of your shoulders. And maybe just by saying some of the dreams you have, the universe and your subconscious might start wiring you in that direction. How about that? Conspire to make it happen, yeah. All right, I'm gonna go conspire to buy us a nice couch. All right, folks, we'll catch you next week. I'm Dave Neal and this was my Beautiful, glowing, pregnant wife, Tasha Cole.